this episode of Seek and Find with Dr. Mark Rivera, we delve into the profound attributes of God the Son, Jesus Christ. From his incarnation as the divine word to his role as the ultimate savior and redeemer, we explore how Jesus unveils the depths of God's love and grace. We'll also navigate biblical narratives and theological insights to understand the transformative impact of Jesus's life and ministry, offering a profound revelation of the true in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Dr. Mark, thank you so much for helping us better understand the characteristics and nature associated with God the Son, Jesus Christ. I'm so happy to be here today for this uh, episode as well. Uh, as a follow-up for this series that we're doing. Um, very interesting as we dive deeply, but in a practical way, yeah. to this uh, important subject. And, and and obviously we're responding to what we see as an interest in the public Definitely. Uh, on this subject. I think we had talked about last week about the numbers of people that have had questions or queries regarding to the Trinity. And so um, based on that, we saw the need to respond Last week we took some time and and um, and established first of all a kind of like a picture of God, uh, the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Because oftentimes I just want to recap for a few moments before we embark on today's segment, which is uh, Jesus as um, God also uh, in 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 the Trinity. And so we we had talked last week about the, um, the the way that sometimes we throw away comments and names and phrases, you know, when when you when, you know some people say it's a it's a three headed God and yeah. and all of that, yep. And kind of you know we have to be aware that sometimes the words that we use can be add to confusion rather than to clarity. And so no, it is not a three headed God. It is God who manifests Himself in three fashions to us, which is God the Father, the Creator. Uh, Jesus, the um, the Redeemer, uh, Holy Spirit as the Advocate or the Paraclete um, that um, joins us, and and I use the the picture of like the American government, right? The mm-hmm. American government has three branches of government. They're all distinct uh, um, and really do not. They're connected one with the other in accountability, but it really is only one government, mm-hmm. right? So you know, it's the same thing with God. There's different functions or the manifestation to humanity and creation that we find in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, um, but it's it's simply one God. And we were talking earlier with uh, someone here in the office and, and, and brought up an interesting comparison as well, and that's that uh, it's like water, right? Water, H2O, but mm-hmm. uh, when, when it's frozen, it's ice, H2O. When it's yeah. liquid, it's H2O. When it's a vapor, yeah. it's H2O. The, the components of the water don't change. The manifestation of it, you experience a mist much different than water in a glass yeah. you know, that you're drinking. Or ice as a solid, right? Yeah. So it, the experience of how we experience water can look different in all those three forms. I think in those things, although sounds simplistic and may even sound like we're trying to avoid the explanation. No, we're plunging into this. Yeah. But I think setting those pictures like that, we will be able to kind of, you know, approach the subject uh, with a more open mind. And right. that said, I also want to hook up on here in the introduction is that we need to try and approach these types of um, podcasts, especially these three that we're doing in a row, um, with, with as neutral a position as possible. Some, you know, you cannot help the fact that you're coming into a discussion or a presentation with, with stuff that you've learned through history and, you know, muscle memory and all of that stuff that comes in. 
And what it does is it can already skews the learning and we start to discard things that kind of rub us the wrong way or don't don't align with what we've been taught in the past. Right. When we approach a subject openly, we try to do that as openly as possible, you know, as unguarded and as unfiltered as possible without drawing any conclusions until the end of the discussion. But today we have specifically to talk about Jesus. Yes. And uh, this is an interesting, interesting uh, uh, one and probably uh, one of the most significant with regard to God the Father or God connecting with his creation with humanity. Yeah. Because we see here um, uh, the importance of the Son of God. And when we hear oh, the, yeah. the word, the, even the phrase Son of God, we think that it was, um, you know, we think of maternity rooms and labor pains and all of that. And if he's the son, then who's the mother? Those kinds of things. Remember, many of these words and phrases are done so that we in our human capacity will be able to understand. But, um, uh, you know, so we, we need to keep that in check as well. We'll use those phrases, but we need to balance them out. That oftentimes we're really trying to describe divine things with, with temporal language, if you will, because language can be a stumbling block. But we, in Christianity, we view him as the son of God, part of the Trinity. There's father, the creator who manifests himself such as such. Uh, and we went through that last session with the, um, the uh, Genesis and all that. Now we have Jesus. And what had happened is, just to give some history and biblical history, is that, okay, so God creates everything in Genesis, God the Father, and um, uh, he places the garden, he creates man in his likeness and his own image. All of that gives him some specific instructions and and really the bottom line is for the sake of time uh, uh, and, and surely not to dishonor this important subject, but we can always go back to and talk about that in another podcast. But now, uh, the, so there, Adam and Eve, the garden, specific instructions, and then Adam and Eve were not able to be obedient to the Lord. And then there is what happens in, in, in theology is called the fall the fall. Now that's not a season, you know, spring, summer, mm. fall. The fall is the fall of mankind. It's a significant marker when you're studying the in, in, in you know biblical theology. So um, uh, the fall based on disobedience, mm-hmm. and you know we'll leave it there. They disobeyed, so now they were no longer in that fellowship with God, the Creator, and as a result. And there's a lot of stuff that we can talk about here, but for the sake of the subject today, I want to go. No, but this is good context. You're right. We, yeah. need, to, we need to understand yeah, it. Yeah, but you know, but I'm, I'm I feel almost compelled that there's much more <laughs> detail. But we'll go. Well, I'm going to take big leaps here. Yeah. So they they disobeyed. Now they can no longer be in that kind of fellowship with God, the Creator. And then what happens? All of mankind, including us today, we have that Adamic, Adam, Adamic fault in us or deprivation in us. Everyone is inherited. Everyone inherits simply by being born uh, that kind of deformity, Mm. you know, where now sin becomes part of our makeup introduced to the history of mankind by Adam's disobedience to God. So after the fall, there is now this distance Right. right. Is that a good way to look at it? Because yes. I'm trying to help us also understand as we get closer to when Jesus comes around, how that helps kind of bridge that that distance, bridge that gap. Yes. I don't want to fast forward, but right. Could you describe it that way too? The sin, the fall of man, created distance, a disconnect I, I between agree. us and God. That's a, that that fits in here. It's it's a it's a wedge. Okay. Between God the Creator and His creation. Mm. Uh, but and let me just be clear also, because in describing God. There is no break in love. Mm. So God still loves. Mm. 
It's just not that there's a breakup between God the Father and his creation because of disobedience. Mm. And the disobedience here, if we go even further, is that man uh, um, thinking, assuming that he is self-sufficient outside of God. Really, if you look at the, the disobedience that was there, which, by the way, that is the trait that has marked humanity. If you look at kingdoms rising and falling, it's really been about the man thinking he's self-sufficient, can actualize himself without any external help, even till this day. Yeah, hubris, you know, hubris. Correct, correct. So um, so we find that, yeah, there was this distance, this gap. Now, man was incapable of repairing that gap, right? And we see that even with the rituals that we see in the, New, in the Old Testament of the sacrifice of animals mm-hmm. for the propitiation of of sin, because they need to be the shedding of blood and the, and the slaughtering of an animal. But those things only forgave the people offering those sacrifices or bringing those sacrifices. And then next year they had to do it all over again. So there was no, no there was no a full, complete exoneration from the weight of sin because mankind was incapable because of his fallen state to reach God. Mm. So, I mean, that's the whole... <laughs> Old Testament in about five minutes, but it's, there's a lot more. No, that's that. a lot. No, but that was yeah. a good, uh, good, quick way. You did that in about two minutes. That wasn't too bad. Well, <laughs> I, I, I hope our, our guests, and I, I don't want our, neighbor, our neighbors, our, our guests to think that I'm, you know, just avoiding. No, there's a lot of material in there, but, you of know, course, yeah. go to Bible class and, you know, <laughs> go to the yeah, 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 teach yeah. you. But, um, but so, so now man was incapable. So the only way that God's justice and, and, and inclination toward wrath against sin According to the Old Testament, because remember, he he could not tolerate sin because it, it showcased uh, disobedience. The only way was for God himself to insert himself in humanity. And then that human insertion would allow, would, be, would, would then fulfill the requirements of the law, right? Mm. And then there could be right relationship with God, the Father, right? Because man was incapable, so God now had to insert himself in. So now appears what we call the incarnation, the whole Christmas story, right? Which in, in John, it says that that, um, uh, that 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 word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So the word there, and the, the word there appears in the, in scripture uh, in a, with a capital W. It's not talking about just the word, of, of, but the word is the logos or the non-spoken intelligence of God, a way that we can try to understand that. Mm. I think sometimes for me, that definition confuses it even more, but the non-spoken, the not audible intelligence of God becomes Jesus Christ. So Jesus now becomes, he's part of the Trinity. Now he leaves. Colossians talks about this. And guess, and friends, forgive me for all the scripture, but that's where I'm basing this form. This part of the presentation is all on scripture. Even Colossians says that he didn't find that, his deity and divine state, anything to grab a hold of. So he decided to reject that and come to um, to be born in a manger, in, uh, in, in, uh, and then he, that's the Immaculate Conception, which is a miracle because there was no male human intervention, yet Mary became pregnant with child, you know, not, not ha- having in, uh, intimacy with, with a man. That in itself is a miracle. So now Jesus is born, Immaculate Conception, um, uh, a miracle in itself, and we can, again, talk about that and Christmas and all the things that Joseph and Mary went through, uh, but now Jesus is born, made flesh and dwelt among us. And of course, Mary and Joseph had care of him for the early part of his life. In fact, for the bulk of his life, because yeah. he died around 33 years old. So again, the only way you can understand that transition of God leaving, God the Father 
you know, and, and God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit leaving heaven to now be inserted is the, what fueled that transition was love. Mm. In fact, if you look at scripture throughout scripture, it's God's unending love toward his creation. That's yeah. what the, that's what the gospel story is all about. God's unending love. God's attempting to make right something that his creation has done incorrectly. Yeah. To straighten something that his creation had twisted. Yeah. You know. So it's so just real quick. So sin enters the world after the fall of man with Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. And sin is the biggest wall that is causing a disconnect between mankind and God. However, the love, like you said, that God had for mankind never weakened, but that connection, uh, there was a wedge in between humanity and God because of sin. Um, In the Old Testament, before Jesus, sacrifices had to be made. The shedding of blood had to be made to pay as payment for those sins. But like you said, it was a a ritual. It was something that they had to continuously do, and it still wasn't enough to redeem mankind. So... Fast forward to the Immaculate Conception, that was God's attempt to become that perfect sacrifice as payment for all of humanity's sin, past, present, and future. That's correct. Okay. You hit it right on the head, and, and, and that's exactly right. I should have let you do it. You did no, it, I just you no, did it in 60 seconds. That's, no, that's just a, re- no, no, there's a, play that's a recap of your recap. <laughs> the, the way I look at it, for our friends that are here, um, um, my, my, my worldview, my biblical evangelical worldview is that I use the word form, deform, reform, and transform. And and form is creation, mm. right? Not just man, but creation. Deform is the fall, mm. right? Reformed is when now Jesus becomes the second Adam, mm. right? And he now comes to make right what is wrong. And then transformed is the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm. That's the four, the four segments of my evangelical worldview. It's form, God created, and that's class in itself. Deform, man fell because of disobedience. And then reform, God tried to redo, you know, through Jesus now appearing. Um, um, and then transform, that's the constant, continuous workings of the Holy Spirit in, in our lives, allowing us to evolve to God's like, uh, to, to uh, God's original design with us. Yeah. And for me, it, it kind of simplifies the whole plan. So I can easily talk at this point about Jesus in the form segment of those four points uh, because it just from the way my brain works, it just makes it a little easier. So Jesus now uh, um, was present. I like the way it, uh, John says it. He was uh, in the beginning was the word. And it basically shows us, we talked about this before, that the word, the logos, Jesus, in this case, according to John, the gospel of John, was present in the beginning that's hooking it up to Genesis chapter one. And mm-hmm. I, and I want to emphasize here a little bit deeper uh, when it says um, present in the beginning one in the beginning doesn't mean the start of God. Mm. No, God already existed in the beginning. In my view is when the clock started ticking for all of creation and mankind, but not for God. Yeah. So God existed prior. In fact, even using the word God exists is incorrect. God just is, mm. was, is, and will be. There's, you know, time, if when we say in the beginning and attributed to God, that's incorrect because God is eternal. Mm. That's a, it's, it seems, sounds like a simple concept, but we need to get that embedded in our mind. The other thing is when we see in John saying uh, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, 
Um, it is not making a distinction of entity. It is God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It is making a distinction with function and manifestation. All right? When right. you see that in John, it's very important to get that. It's it still one God. Still one God. And and so here's what we can conclude with that, that Jesus was present as the Word, as the Logos, right, in yes. the beginning. Mm-hmm. And the, in the beginning is because man needs a clock, like we need a clock right now to keep us on cue. <laughs> um, but God doesn't operate in time because he created time. Time exists in him, not the other way around. Uh, uh, so he's not subject to time. But then Jesus appearing there, he's functioning fully as God. Mm. And, and this is important because he was there, God the Father was creating, but he was there at that, at that, at that moment in, in the trajectory of what we know. Um, but he was fully aware of all the creation going on. Hmm. You, you, that's important to to know. Don't think that Jesus then appears on Christmas and that's it. You know, no, <laughs> no. He was already existed because he's the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. That means even with him, we can you know easily define biblically that um, he was not constrained to time. So in the beginning was the Word. He was with God. He was uh, God. He he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made, and that Word became flesh. Here we go. And made his dwelling among us, which is critical. That word, that logos existing in the beginning that was with God, that was God, that was active in creation, that was not subject to time. All of a sudden, now Christmas comes in, December 20th. We celebrate as 20, December 25th, but the Immaculate Conception, he is born and now he dwells among us. Now, I want us to stop here for a moment because it talks about the majesty of Jesus. Mm. Yeah. That here he is, think about it, what you and I would do. We're living in, an, in etern, a place of eternal bliss, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's God. And he decides to leave all of that and limit himself. In the form of a human being. Right? <laughs> more than that, Matt, yeah. in, in the form of a baby, depending yeah. on everybody else. Yeah. He, he was part of the almighty existence, uh, you know, attributes, all powerful, all that, decides to restrict himself and squeeze himself into a baby, not born in the best hospitals of the world right, with right. the best medical staff, but born with animals. With animals, yeah. Think about that for a second. Very vulnerable. You're right. You know, it's funny. As you say that, the image coming to my mind is that if God is all powerful and can do anything, he could have done like uh, like Terminator, how he just pops up. He just appears yeah, yeah. as this big, huge, muscular man with all this power and stuff. Yeah. True. But you're right. You're, I mean, a human baby is one of the most vulnerable creatures, period. If you don't tend to a human baby, it'll die. Oh yeah, it needs Very quickly. for the, right exactly. Yeah. So for the beginning stages of its development, it needs that that human interaction. He it needs an, an adult taking care of him. That's a very humbling experience for God, for sure. Not, but not only for God, but for us, because mm. what I wanted to get to is again, that is love. What fueled that is love, a mm. lavishing love. And when you think about that, He did that for us, for us individually. Wow, do we owe Him a, a debt we could never pay? Mm-hmm. You know, that God would decide to limit himself simply for a creation that intentionally disobeyed and intentionally pursued uh, depraved behavior. Mm -hmm. Think about it, totally rejecting. And yet that did not change God's intent to lavishly love his creation Mm -hmm. and love mankind. So when you think that you don't feel like, you know, God loves you, just dwell on that for a moment. In Christmas, instead of thinking about mistletoes and gifts and Christmas trees and lights and Rockefeller Center, (laughs) think about it for a moment that this God decided to restrict himself in order to be able to reach. So, okay, now he, he appears, he's here. Um, he's developing and then later on he gets the call to fulfill the mission of 
giving his life, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 so because we we talked about we talk about Jesus as being the redeemer. He's he's the one that uh, uh, reconciles us to God. In him, everything was fulfilled. The law was fulfilled. He did not violate the law. Um, um, it, it ushered us into a place. Or the, also, not only that uh, the laws were fulfilled, there was no sin in him. Although, and this is an interesting, another concept that you need faith to be able to accept because he was tested in every way, Scripture tells us, right? So it wasn't like he was a th- synthesized human being, you know, that he could not relate to our stuff. Yeah, our struggles and temptations. Absolutely, yeah. right. He was, but he did not succumb to any of those. Mm. I mean, he felt, even when he was in the wilderness, right, he, he felt hunger. Yeah. So he was in a body, and, and this is important. I, I call that the, um, the duality of Christ, mm. that Christ was fully deity, God, but also fully human. Mm. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and now what does logic tell us right yeah. now? Yeah, it's like, how are you 100% two different things? Yeah, 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 yeah. that's a tough one. So it, be, it becomes this, this For our conundrum. Yeah, because yeah, well, how <laughs> how can we accept that and, and believe that or wrap our minds around the logic behind that? But again, we're talking about something divine, something that exists beyond our physical world. It if you If you look at it from that lens, you have to remind yourself it's impossible for something physical to fully understand something spiritual, but we're trying, we're trying our best. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. We yeah. will, in fact, we will never understand fully until it is re- revealed. In fact, first Corinthians 13 talks about that. Now we see through a, an opaque glass, but one way we will fully understand it, it will be revealed to us. And the, the question here, moving aside from this topic for a moment, can you live with that kind of tension? Mm. Not knowing, because we have this quest to always know we want to wrap up every argument in a nice bow and it's perfect. No, there's most of, most of life, most of the significant things in life, like faith have a lot of smudged lines mm. and can we live with that? And, and I've always said, um, and I p- apply this to me, a truly mature person lives life with unanswered questions. You just continue moving forward, but then that's when you insert faith. Mm. But let, let's get back to the subject. So yes. he, he um, uh, again, did all of that because of love. Here he is now, the duality. And if you, as you read the story of Jesus in the Gospels and even the uh, other uh, uh, supporting scriptures that you find throughout the Bible, actually, of Christ, um, uh, there's always this, you, you almost want to try and discern, well, is he functioning there fully as God or fully as man? It's, it's hard. You need, you need faith to be able to just say, okay, it just is. It just be, as I say sometimes. It yeah. just be. And um and and have faith that yes he was the son of God. I mean obviously you see you see tremendous 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 attributes of the deity when he walks on water. Obviously he turns the you know the, the bread I mean the, the wine uh, uh water the, into wine uh, water yeah. into wine that you see God yeah. when he spits on the ground and makes mud and the guy sees you know so there there are evidences throughout of him but there's also the signs of humanity. You know, I mentioned it before. There's a, there's a sign of humanity when when you know Jesus grieved over his his dear friend dying. You know, Jesus felt hunger. Uh, you know, after the the, the fast in the, fasting in the wilderness. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. So there was a humanity in him. And when he, because now the question might be in my audience right now. Okay, so when he's on the cross, how did he die? What was it, God or was it man? Mm. Good question, right? Yeah. There again, we're inserting our logic, mm. right? But yeah, like it has to be 
the uh, it has to follow these terms and and this logic because that's how everything else in the world works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everything in the world works like that except us. We don't we we, <laughs> we say we live on A, B, C, and D, and there's a template mm. that we have, but in reality, it's more impulsive. Yeah, and think about the last time somebody messed up badly. It's impulsive. We are impulsive, but yeah. we we want. The rest of the world to operate under a template of A, B, C, and D, and mm-hmm. the sequence of events and all that, because you know I'm, there's a timeline. We operate, uh, we, we, we multiplex. We operate at this is no discussion. We, <laughs> I know, right? we operate on different levels. We don't. We're not linear. Yeah, for we're sure. We're not linear. Yeah, yeah. And you know we do operate and function. But so he died fully as man because if you think about it, if he died as God, can God die? Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's the issue or that's the um, part that I know Muslims, um, they acknowledge Jesus as a prophet, as a significant prophet sure. in, their, in their tradition. But it's I, I, from the Muslims that I've spoken to, uh, I know that their struggle is more like God can't die. That's that's like the biggest reason why they right. couldn't, you know, accept him as a deity. You know, is he a spiritual leader? Is he a prophet? Yes. But God can't die because of that exact point that you just said. Yeah, exactly. God, can God die? And logically, it makes sense because we we kept saying he's the beginning and the end. Yeah. You know, he's a, he's the same always there, always there, always yeah. been. You know, but but the counter uh, that I think to that is um, uh, again that he was a fully human, mm. fully human. Yeah, God cannot die, but he was not dying as God because that, that's almost an oxymoron. Yeah. God dying, mm. <laughs> it's an yeah. oxymoron. And for sin, he's dying so then he can appease his own quest for justice and what is right. Mm. No, 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 no. I mean, so so it, it's it's a clash illogically, but he died. In fact, he even said, I'm thinking now, he said, um, no one takes my life. I, I give it. Mm. Right? That's what he said. I can't remember the scripture right now. We'll, we'll Google it and find out later on. But he, I, no one takes my life. So we have to realize that it was God dying on the... And, and if you look at the last phrases on the cross, when he's dying there, when he says, you know, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He's talking there, not as God, the Father, connected with the Trinity, but rather he's talking there as Jesus, the man. And, and again, back on the cross, he thirsted. That wasn't God having thirst. It was because God does never, never has thirst. Um, it was Jesus. So the duality of Christ, this is a dance that we have to carry all of our lives in order, in order to understand it. And friends, we will never fully comprehend. We need to have the Holy Spirit helping us. We need to have um, a level of faith and trust that God will take care of it. And that's a, that's a, that's a deep one there too, about trusting God. I actually found the verse while you were talking oh, good, about good. it. It's from John uh, chapter 10, verse 18. And it says, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my father. Yeah. yeah so we see that. So it's not, a, a, you know, the challenge that you have, you mentioned our, our brothers, the Muslims that, you know, that, and the challenge that they have with that. But if you think about the duality of the Lord, as difficult as a, as a subject that it is to juggle, then that becomes okay. Then you get, you get some level. And again, there's so many ambiguous things in life. You know, you, you, you walk in life with a lot of, you know, a doctor gives you a prescription and tells you, well, let's see if it works. What do you mean? Let's see if it works. You know? <laughs> so there's a lot of ambiguity sometimes in life. Uh, and the same thing applies with when we start thinking. Remember, we're trying to define eternal from the temporal. Yeah. We have limited faculties, limited, limited abilities to comprehend 
you know, and we're trying to expand uh, to understand that that the human cannot comprehend. Yeah. Also, just to add real quick, I don't want to get too far off topic. Well, not that it's off topic, but I don't want to um, get too much into the weeds of the story uh, as far as when Jesus died that moment. But God did not stop functioning, too, when that happened, right? There was the tearing of the veil in the, in the temple that happened after Jesus' death. Um, and even during those three days, wasn't Jesus in yeah. the spiritual world down there in hell yeah, yeah, amongst yeah. the demons and still doing his thing? Right. Um, so the, God was still functioning and, 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 and still around. So it wasn't like God stopped being active at that moment where, where Jesus' life ended. Correct. So there, I think that further proves your point. Yeah, there was a, there was a definitely to your point. There was a reaction of his death. Nature, the sun didn't want to shine anymore. The earth shook. Dead believers came back to life, and then showed themselves to, to their loved ones. And you know, the veil of the temple was rent. All that happened in an instant because that was a a, a, a situation, an instant in the history of mankind that never happened before, has never been repeated again. Mm. Because there, he was dying. Jesus, the man. Um, but God, the, uh, Jesus, the God was not dying. Mm. And then you see the power of the resurrection where you see there, obviously some supernatural things going on because he was God. Death could not hold him at all. The grave could not hold him. We know yeah. that. And now he resurrects, but now he resurrects, not as man. He resurrects as God. Mm. Yet he stays 40 days teaching them about the, the, the kingdom of God and, uh, and instructing his disciples. And then he ascends and gets and sits at the right hand side of the father uh, in heavenly places, making mm-hmm. intercession for us. So, so that's the story of all, all of that. To get to the point where Jesus is is, is certainly God, and we have a, a we'll be talking. And I, friends, I apologize that I I'm giving you so much scripture, but this is the only way to go get to uh, be able to define um, Jesus as part of the Trinity: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If we look at Colossians, he says the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over creation. For in Him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, before he was before all things, and in him all things hold together. That's not a description of a human being. That's the mm. description of a of God. Uh, if you look at Hebrews, and Hebrews is written uh, an epistle that's written, and the author is not one hundred percent known. We believe it's probably Paul that write, writes it, but he's writing to those Jews that then converted to to the way they accepted the gospel, and so there the the there's a lot more. Nuances that we can look on trying to draw in the Jewish mind into this new um, understanding of the way, and he writes to them in uh, Hebrews chapter one verse three: the the sun is the radiance of God's glory, and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful word. That's powerful. It's, it's showing us the amount of authority and power that rested upon Jesus. And that verse, in my view, connects him to Father, Son, and Holy 100%, Spirit. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm glad. You know, I know we are throwing out a lot of biblical uh, references here. But at the end of the day, we are talking about something straight from the Bible. Yeah. So I think we need to. We're also trying to wrestle and and confront the idea that the term Trinity isn't in the Bible. But scripture like this I feel like clearly shows no, they are one, right? right? Is, isn't that not what it's saying? Yes, and, that's, <laughs> and, and as you just stated, Matt, that's how I want our audience to start thinking. You may have had your view, your opinion before you started listening to our, our podcasts, uh, but now at least uh, you can put everything on the table and then re-examine again and rethink your thinking. Um, and I'm certain we're going next episode we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, but I'm certain that the Holy Spirit will will draw you to will illuminate. Some yeah. of these concepts that we're talking about, 
And, uh, and, and I, I assure you, my friends, this is coming from a good place, a good heart. It's not about anything else trying to make you do whatever, because at the end of the day, no one can make you do what you don't want to do. And so um, it has to be a prompting that happens inside of you. If you look at Matthew 16, 16, there's Peter says, you are, he makes a declaration. He says, you are the Messiah, hmm. right? That's a word more attributing it to the Jewish audience. They were awaiting the Messiah to return, yeah. even till this day. Uh, Jews are still anticipating, waiting for the Messiah. He says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, making that statement publicly is a sentence of death, mm. really, when you think about it. Um, look at Mark chapter 2, verses 5 through 12. In this narrative, Jesus forgives a paralyzed man's sin, which the religious leaders perceived as blasphemy, mm. as only God can forgive sins. Jesus demonstrates his divine authority by healing the man. Mm. You know, the, Proof, evidence, yeah. proof, evidence. Jesus In uh, John 10, Jesus declares, I and the Father are one. I and the Father. Now talk about locked, sealed, and delivered. Yeah, I and the Father are one. Yep, that's what Jesus said. <laughs> I don't know how else to interpret that. Yeah. You know, other than they're one. Yeah. Right? And then Revelation, I am the Alpha and the Omega, who is and was and is to come, the Almighty. This verse often is interpreted as referring to Jesus, emphasizing his eternal and divine nature. So, with the, and there's many more scriptures, and I don't want to, you know, bore our, our our friends or overload. Sometimes when you overload people with scriptures, they don't remember any of them. <laughs> the point here that we want to make is that Jesus is certainly we see the uh, enough scripture that points to the direction of Jesus as deity. Jesus is part of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, the Trinity, as we call it. He's a savior and redeemer, is an yes. important characteristic of, of Christ. We plenty of scriptures there. Acts 4, 12, 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. There is one God and one mediator between God and mankind and the man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. I mean, that's that's sealing it there. That's signing the bottom of the, the check. You know, and this is redemption. and this is the reason why, as Christians, we don't practice this uh, this sacrificial rituals anymore, because Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, right? And also, one thing I did want to point out, because I know we fast forward through that context, but I think an important thing for our audience to keep in mind too is that pre-Jesus, not only were sacrifices required, but it had to be like the best of the best, right? You had to right. offer God right. the purest. No, you know, deformities in the animal, things like that. Right. So that that further echoes the uh, why it had to be Jesus, who was a perfect man. Like you said, he right. experienced all the struggles that human beings experience. He experienced all the same temptations. But the difference, like you said before, is that he did not succumb to those temptations. He did not succumb to sin, thus becoming the perfect sacrifice, similar to, again, how the Jews were doing it. Uh, yeah. Before Jesus, we're trying to pick the purest animal to sacrifice, and, and the sacrifices uh, and the as payment for sin was temporal. It had a start and end. it was like a contract. Yeah, but the blood of Jesus is forevermore over mm. us. You know, His sacrifice. He becomes the according to Hebrews, he becomes sacrifice and priest also in the order of Melchizedek. It says, you know, this like in, in the Jewish mind, that's the highest of high priests, thought by some not even to be human, but to be almost an angelic uh, epiphany of God or something like that. Uh, so he now goes in there to be not only the the high priest per excellence, but he also becomes the perfect sacrifice, as you had mentioned. I feel like that's a very important topic, uh, the, the topic of the high priest thing. 
uh, mainly because uh, I know in the Old Testament tradition, they had the tabernacle, right, that they would build. And then in the center of it was the Holy Holy of Holies, right, mm-hmm. which had the Ark of the Covenant, which at that point in time was God's presence on earth, right, mm-hmm. um, to the point where it was such a holy place that the average person cannot touch, even touch or be around the Ark of the Covenant. There's even a story in the Bible where someone died even just from, right. you know, because they were a sinful person, they came into contact and instantly they're, they're dead mm-hmm. because of that point that we illustrated earlier that sin cannot stand in the presence of God. It just can't. But with the high priest, right, they had to go through their own kind of cleansing ritual yeah. before even entering yeah. that space, right? Be, before going beyond the veil, right? That's and correct. stepping into the manifest presence of God. I think there's even a... a uh, a ritual that they would have like a cowbell or something right on their, right. on their ankle right. and that and with the rope. And if it stopped ringing, that means that the high priest wasn't pure and died in the presence of God actually, and nobody yeah. can go get them because they'll die too. So they have to pull, yeah. pull them in. So I think the significance of this, I think is important for us to park on because you're right. Not only was Jesus the lamb of God, right? The sacrificial lamb, but he also acted as the high priest. Right. And then again, after he dies, the veil to the temple, the basically the the metaphor, the metaphoric wall between us and God's presence was destroyed. Right. Now we have access to we that. Have access. That's huge. That is huge. That's huge. That is. How yeah. are you? How are you going to skip that, Doctor Mark? Come yeah. on. Well, you're here. You're, you're here. You fill the gaps <laughs> for no, me. I'm kidding. I, I'm yeah. kidding. No, no, but that's, but yeah, that's I think really, that's an important thing for really us to good, park yeah. on and, and highlight. Yeah, no, that's I, I. I would I would ruin it by adding anything more than what mm-hmm. you just said. Uh, because you you explain it with such clarity, but yeah, that is, that is amazing. And as you're talking, I'm thinking back, and and it's uh, it's not that I'm lacking words right now. It's just my brain is just processing that all over again. My goodness, it's that, amazing. Uh, yeah, we went from yeah, we went from that strict because in the Old Testament it was black and white. Mm-hmm. You know, it was do or don't. It was on or off. Yeah, you know, and life is not that way. And then you know, it, it's just amazing that now he the the, the high, I'm glad I'm not a high priest back then, right? Then. Oh. <laughs> The pressure. Oh I would be a lot of bells on my, on my <laughs> ankles, right, to make sure. But uh, um, it, and it, again, it was uh, there was no wiggle room with regard to the rules and laws. There yeah. was no wiggle room, and um, not that that we wiggle ourselves into salvation. You need to make a commitment, a decision. But now it's under Christ who covers us. Yeah, which is the difference. The high priest in the Old Testament didn't cover the people. Mm. They didn't cover the people. They were one of the intrum- instruments, one of the icons that were used in the temple for that ritual, because rituals are always important for mankind. In humanity, we all, in every culture, we have rituals. Yeah, we need a tradition. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, that that's what they were doing back then. Um, but now with Jesus, it's not necessary because he took care of all of that. He took the weight of that. And what you said was so so good. Yeah, when the veil was temple, now we have access to all of that that in the past no one would ever be able to have access for because of Christ. So Jesus becomes that savior, that redeemer, that mediator between God and us, according to Timothy. He's uh, uh, Jesus' death and resurrection brings us about the forgiveness of sin, which is important. So he becomes that offering of redemption and reconciliation, which is key and, and powerful. Yes. Um, you know, uh, three things that I want to mention as we, we're drawing to a close. This is a lot of material, I know, my friends, but it's important. I think it's worthy uh, of uh, this level of explanation for this setting right now. I already talked about uh, Jesus and, and the duality of Jesus Christ as in the, in the Trinity as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then on earth, 
He's fully man. Um, but I also uh, I want to mention a second aspect, and that's the ultimate revelation of God. Jesus becomes the full. You want to know God? You want to have develop your faith and spirituality to a fullest? Jesus is the key element for that. In fact, John talks about this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Mm. So Jesus becomes now the ultimate revelation of God. He becomes, you want to be drawn to God, to the deity, to, the, to that power, the divine power. The way to get there is Jesus has to be included in, in whatever formula you're using to express yourself to him. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, the gl- glory of the only begotten son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So we talked about uh, Jesus, uh, divine and human nature, the duality, which yeah. I explained before. This yes. one, the ultimate revelation of Jesus. And then finally, we just talked about it. He, he's the mediator and high priest. Timothy says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. The high priest dying on the other side of the curtain would die because of his stuff. Yeah. Jesus died on the cross because of our stuff. Yeah, wow. Jesus, now we jump to the to the cross. He dies there not for him, but for all of us. Yeah. You know, that's when you think about that, and, and uh, again, I want to hit the point, uh, because of love. Yeah. <laughs> that's really what it amounts to. We were not worthy. We were not deserving of anything but wrath. We disobeyed. Yeah. You know, say we, humanity, we disobeyed. We did, and, and I don't think that that was such a difficult, difficult petition from God, but then pride comes in, you know, in mankind. And then we end up thinking that we're, 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 we're up there as well. Let me close up with this scripture. And, and friends, I hope that this has blessed you to be able to understand, um, Jesus Christ as part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and his specific role and how he manifests himself. I've been using that word since the last episode, God, how, how, the three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, manifests themselves to us. Look at this final scripture that I'm going to read in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet... He did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. My friends, thank you for joining us. Matt, thank you for your reflection and the comments you made. It was excellent. And we look forward not only to uh, the next uh, episode, but to continue to bring you information and highlight and guidance as we move forward on this podcast. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed this latest episode of Seek and Find with Dr. Mark Rivera. Thank you for listening and God bless.